Okay, well, hey, everybody, Tom Miller here again uh, with, with my partner, Katie Reinauer, and uh, we woke up this morning to a slew of text messages from just other school leaders about how helpful yesterday's call was. So if you didn't get a chance to participate in yesterday's call, I did send it back out, um, and we'll make sure that everybody has access. But yesterday's call, Katie really focused on, um, you know, what are we supposed to do? What are, you know, what are... What are the you know uh, questions leaders ask themselves before they close school? And now yesterday the governor sent out a message that everything has to be closed. So now that it has changed uh, at a very rapid pace. Um, so what Katie and I have have uh, done is you know reached out to our um, inner circle and and we've been collecting as many resources as we can uh, to be able to put in this Google doc. So Katie, can you put the link into the Google doc if you haven't already in the top of the chat? It's the mm -hmm. same document that we used yesterday. So it has a ton of information in here from charter experts, uh, Lisa Gordon-Stella, uh, who is a legal expert. Um, Gord, uh, uh, Rhonda Dillingham was on with us yesterday. I don't know if she's on the, again with us today. From an advocacy standpoint, we had uh, Steve Joyner Consulting from a technology standpoint. And then we had um, uh, Steve uh, Griffin from, from the insurance people of North Carolina from a liability standpoint, all the different things. So we've continued to just add on to this resource. Everybody has access to it. Um, so uh, continue to send things into us and we'll add them in here. Um, and if you scroll down to about page three uh, is where we start to add all the educational aspects. And these are, you know, resources. These are thoughts and questions that I've been asking myself. Um, uh, you know, if, if, you know, if I were in charge, fully in charge of a school, what were, what were some questions that I would want to start asking myself? So the platform of this call will be, um, I'm, I'm only going to spend, you know, three minutes here. And then what, what I want to do is to open it up, uh, you know, to everybody to have a chance to share uh, or ask questions. You can ask questions in the chat. You, you can share what you're doing um, and, and, you know, just be as, uh, you know, as brief as possible. And then we'll, we'll, you know, have a chance for everybody to keep on asking questions. So I don't want to go more than, you know, an hour to 90 minutes of today. I'm certainly willing to stay longer if, 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 if you know, we have. But yesterday we spent almost three hours. So um, I want to make sure that you have a good thinking space before you have your call with your board or your call with your team or you design what tomorrow looks like for you and your staff if you're actually going in for uh, the work day and what you know resources uh, you'll need. So, um, Katie, you want to add anything to that before we kick off? No, I mean, just want everyone to know that, you know, Tom and I are, our goal is to help you ask the questions that are going to help you create a program. Um, that will make instruction as seamless as possible during this difficult time. And, um, and we don't have all the answers, but we, we want to be able to get you the resources that you need. Um, and so please keep this document bookmarked because it's going to be continuously updated. And, uh, and feel free to text us or, you know, call us with questions. And if we don't have the answer, we, we can help get you to the person who does. Yeah, and so yesterday we had incredible questions and comments about equity and um, you know, access, and what does good instruction look like? Um, so we just keep on thinking, what, how would you do it if it were simple, right? And then you also have to think about, what are the tools and resources that I already have in place? And all this conversation about moving to a digital learning platform is a lot harder than, than um, most people think here. 
right, Katie, you're moving everybody around here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you're okay. Um, let me get back to that. So the first question that I would ask myself is, is, you know, what do my teachers need to be able to do, right? So just you just kind of fill in the blank here. What, what do my students need to be able to do at least over the next, you know, two weeks while school is closed and odds are it's probably going to be longer. Um, and, and, and how will these, you know, teachers learn it or how will these students learn it? And how will they know if they've uh, learned it? So yesterday, you know, we had a couple of leaders say, well, they had already planned on shutting down for a couple of days to teach their teachers how to do online instruction, to practice it, to uh, test it out, to be able, you know, to do that. And then, um, you know, take it forward to their, to their um, uh, students, right? And that's what uh, the school that I'm a board member at Explorers is doing. Uh, they don't actually open up instruction until Thursday of this upcoming week. So the teachers can better be uh, prepared Monday through Wednesday. Um, so, you know, really, really think through. So as I took these questions and started to map out, I said, like, well, who is my audience, right? So you got to keep it easy and simple for your teachers and your students and the parents that are going to be pretty much in charge of this or aunts or uncles or your grandparents or gosh, maybe the older brother or sister, right? We just don't know. You don't know. So you got to know and better understand your audience because it's easy to say, we'll just go online, but it's not easy to just go online. Uh, a lot of what, you know, KDI do is online and to keep people engaged online, that's not something that they choose to be able to open up on their phone is always challenging for more than five to 10 seconds. Okay. So who's your audience? And what's the capacity of your current staff? And so just having all staff move from a brick and mortar to a digital uh, platform, honestly, I think is a recipe for disaster. So, but if you already have staff that are already using flipped classroom models or already using platforms like Google Classroom or something that, you know, they already have experience in, these may be your leaders of, of your school. These are your teacher leaders because they would be understanding what needs to happen. So, uh, you know, potentially these are the ones that might be creating your five to 10 minute direct instruction videos. We'll talk about that in a second. And then what programs do, you all, do we already have in-house that are virtual or physical? Could we expand upon? So I heard from um, Envision Science Academy is someone we were talking to this morning and they have iReady. And so what they, what iReady did is they expanded all of the access for the teachers um, so students who are already using iReady as their benchmark now can also use it as their um, instructional platform. And I think, you know, Katie, correct me if I'm wrong. I think Jeff said, I don't know if he's on with this, you know, 30 minute, you know, lessons or, you know, 30 minute, you know, blocks of time uh, to mm -hmm. be able to drive the instructions, you know, something to that effect. So what do you already have in place and have you called your vendor to say, hey, what, what can you do for me right now? Right. Uh, because from a business perspective, listen. The, they are going to give you everything that they can because they want you to buy it next year. <laughs> I mean, right. So get everything that you can. Uh, there's lots of people, you know, doing things, but I wouldn't do anything brand new unless you did it as a small pilot, right. With some of your teachers, just be very conscious of completely, you know, making a 360. Um, who already has already thought this through and created resources, right? So there's hundreds of virtual schools across the country. We've got NCVPS in North Carolina. We've got two charter virtual schools. You know, you know, maybe we could ask them, you know, I've reached out to a couple today to see what they're, what they're doing. 
And so they're waiting for the executive order from the governor because he said all public schools, so technically they are a, a public school, but what might that look like? At least we could learn, uh, you know, maybe about how to serve our exceptional children's students. Um, and we have a partnership with the California Virtual Academy. So I was going to reach out to her and say, what, you know, what does this model look like for you? And how could, you know, is there a ways that you could share some things with us? Question number five, this is a key one here. Uh, the uh, Department of Education has uh, created a Q&A tip sheet to address all your questions about exceptional children. We wish we would have had this yesterday. It probably would have been a much easier conversation. Um, so click on that uh, tip sheet there um, to be able to read through it and we'll, we'll spend a little bit more time there. Um, and maybe, you know, how could I support the families? And so creating a more flexible schedule or help them maybe even outline what it looks like. If you go on any social media, there's tons of stuff um, out there right now that you could create uh, for them. So um, if I were to do this, I think I would start with a Google calendar, Katie, and I would just be like mapping out the next two weeks, right, for every grade level. And I'd say, okay, the first thing I would do is create daily review uh, packets of all curriculum that should have already been mastered, right? So this doesn't mean grade level curriculum. This means stuff that I know based upon the last benchmark that kids have already mastered. And so maybe it's even tearing out, you know, pages of your, of your workbook, you know, whatever that may be. And then setting them up, you know, to go home. Okay, that's the first thing I would probably do because all kids are all used to that. And then I would have my best teachers, my most engaging teachers, my most millennial teachers, you know, whatever it may be, to, to be the, the, if I'm going to create new videos, they're the ones going to do it, right? So, you know, again, this is not new content. This is only reviewable content, only reviewable content. I'm going to say that again, only reviewable content, <laughs> that they're just creating short, skilled, direct instruction videos that I can link into a platform, an easy platform. So, YouTube is an easy platform. You could create a YouTube page. If you have Google Drive, that's an easy platform. You could use that. Um, you know, they can just do this on their phone and, you know, link it up or Zoom or Loom are all free right now. So they can make short videos, drop them in, and then you take that link and you put it in the Google Calendar, right? And then you put the assignment in the Google Calendar. Everything could go in the Google Calendar day by day for every grade level. And then the rest of your staff is out there finding short supplemental teaching lessons through maybe Khan Academy or anything else that's out there that can add, you know, to it. Um, and then, the, you know, and then you'll put that in there. And so maybe even in the calendar, it's 30 minutes of independent reading with a, with a reading log, right? You know, I mean, so for me, I would really try to keep it as simple as, as uh, possible at the very beginning, you know, because you just really don't know. So and then there's some other aspects, you know, um, you know, we can help you with some youth leadership, you know, videos or some character education. There's other things that they can do. So Katie's done a great job of, you know, uh, linking all these different types of, gosh, resources and curriculum there for you as you scroll down here. Just tons of stuff uh, that could be helpful. Joan uh, Roman said that her uh, teachers have already started to add some things and we're going to put that in there. So, you know, what, what might a kid's day look like? You know, 30 minute blocks of um, independent, you know, practice review, spiral practice uh, that has a five to 10 minute, no longer than that, um, reteaching video and, and whatever that assignment is. And, you know, 
the expectation is this, this work comes back and maybe it's graded on not maybe necessary performance, but at least effort. Um, and then you could set up office hours throughout the day through Zoom or any Google Hangout is free. And you just have, you know, kids can come in. So maybe it's at the end of the day. Maybe you got some like teachers who work at 12 noon to 8 p.m. shift. And you got some teachers who work the normal morning. Like be as flexible as possible for the community that you're serving. I mean, maybe you even got someone who's willing to do some home, you know, home-based instruction or some sort of community center if you're, if a local community center is open just to be there and folks can come in and be, you know, tutored and monitored, uh, you know, just regarding the safety of all humankind, just be very, very conscious about that. So those are my just first initial 24 hour thoughts, you know, Katie, I don't know if you had anything to add you know, to that. And then what I want to do is open it up to other couple of school leaders to either ask questions or grow upon that model or say, my model is completely different time. And this is, and this is what yeah. I just saw a really good resource on one of the instructional Facebook pages that Tom and I belong to. Uh, and it was a school leader that put out a whole schedule with links for parents. And it started with what many of you would start with, which is kind of your, um, you know, a mindful lesson, mindfulness lesson, or, you know, what are our goals for today? And he had a link for, you know, mindfulness exercises, you know, meditation practices, which probably parents and students would both benefit from. And that's under that suggestion, um, you know, that, 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 that day on, what page is it on? It's on page five, and it's under the, here's another sample school day schedule. If you click on that, uh, you'll see, you know, just another way to organize the information for parents and for teachers so they can see like, okay, I think, I think we just have to remove unknowns as much as possible. And if you can create a structure for people to follow, then they're more likely to jump in and, and get the work done. Yeah. And, you know, if you want to, you know, I highly recommend that you engage every day, right? There needs to be some platform that you're engaging with your families and your students, you know, daily. So not only are you, you know, putting information about just to keep them safe, right? There's a lot of things about, you know, tips for home and there's, you know, videos that you can share with kids about how to deal with fear and, and um, you know, pandemics. But that Zoom, right, when you're on Zoom, which everybody's on Zoom right now. So if it was easy for you, great. If it wasn't easy for you, it can be easier. You don't need internet, you can call in, you can use a phone line, right? Or you can use internet. And the teacher can actually create um, uh, mini classrooms, right? Collaborative rooms, you can split it apart. So if you've got someone who just has a two hour block and they're live, anybody can, you know, uh, click in, right? Or you just have your grade levels do, you know, certain times. If you've got four teachers in a grade level, they could each take two hour office hours per day. And you have an eight hour time frame where anybody can hop in and ask a question about, you know, the school or the work or, you know, like a student can hop in and get some, you know, support and you as the host can, you know, control, you can mute if there's noise or you can do whatever you need to do. You can reteach something on there and say, hey, just watch this video real quick. You can find a Khan Academy resource, you know, I mean, whatever it is. So it is possible. It's not great. Um, but um, it is something, right? And it's maybe more than a lot of people are able to do. And it, it, might, it might be interesting to see which kids, 
come alive using this platform that that don't come alive in the classroom you know so it could be an opportunity to learn about a learning style that you didn't know a child had now kelly had a question which i think is on everybody's mind is that okay so the governor has closed schools so what does this mean as far as our as the expectation of our state for student learning you know really like how do you get over this perception that schools closed but at the same time, learning is going to go on, you know, so how do you define school closure? It's more like a, you know, they're still working, the, the location has changed, you know, so how do school leaders create that clear perception that learning is still happening? What do you all think? I'd love to hear, um, you can unmute yourself if you have something to share. Katie, um, it's Kelly. Thank you for bringing that up because that's the basis of what I have to stand on for the rest mm -hmm. of the communication that I'm due today is he and I know the expectation I have our teachers have done a great job. Um, mm -hmm. We're ready. They have tangible materials at home. Our my teachers have already shared with me their weekly menu of activities. It even includes art and music. I'm so proud of what we have going on. Mm -hmm. However, what I want to do is just be very explicit to my entire community. Um, I do have a few teachers who are incredibly, they are just so effective and they're so creative and they want so desperately to continue with true teaching um, and delivering new material. And I'm having to um, have conversations with them right now of wait, hold on a minute. Let's just make sure we have our feet under ourselves because, um, I want to be able to offer children first and foremost, as Tom just said, it's practice of content, you know, that we, I know that we've taught. If we get too far ahead of ourselves, how is that affecting, you know, our students' rights, you know, for their, for, you know, access to that content when I know that I'm going to have some parents that will not uphold some of this. And it's not those children's fault. Right, right. No, exactly. And I think you're sharing, it's great that your team has stepped up and, you know, really shown that their dedication to education, that's what it's all about, right? Um, and, and, but then that lingering question, you know, so it's not new instruction, it's, it's reviewing what they've already been taught. Um, now, Lisa Gordon-Stella, the uh, attorney who was on the call yesterday, um, Rhonda sent her the, your question, Kelly, and so her response is, they should still be doing homework if it was assigned. I think we're going to get more guidance on digital learning, but this should not be viewed as a vacation and that should be communicated to parents. At the same time, there are clear challenges for some families, so schools need to be sensitive. So it's just what you were talking about. It's balancing that it's not vacation, but it is something. So it's the school leader's job to define what that something is. Excellent. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Katie and, Katie and Tom, I just got... This is Annette. I just got off um, of a DPI conference um, call and uh, they flat out told us that this is supposed to be, since the governor called it off, called school off, we are not supposed to be doing any educational time at all. Um, really? Yes, really. Uh, that kids are not to be doing any school work. We are not to have any IEP meetings. We are not to be doing anything with the kids until told otherwise. Wow. That's a complete um, contradictory statement to the Q&A 
uh, that's in the exceptional children's you know, document that they need to get services. So that's interesting. Thank you. Well, for that's because the governor called it off. They will yeah. when we get more information because that's what we said. Okay. Um, they we said, no, prepared. since the governor called it off for the next two weeks, we are not to do anything. Yeah. Oh, and, or is and that head count, April 1st head count is to wait. Since the governor called it off and called for the next two weeks, once they get back together, then when um, that they will let us know when the kids can go back to start doing the educational work. But wow. for the next two weeks, the kids are not to do any schoolwork. And let me let me bring this up real quick. And I, I, you know, and it started yesterday with the superintendent's email when he stated to please make to and, and I'm not knocking. Um, you know, we're all fumbling through this uh, to some degree. But when the email stated, please schools make every effort to have your school open on Monday so that teachers and students can have access to retrieve their personal belongings. Right. You know, that sets me up as a leader of the school. I've said many curse words for a few moments because um, there's no clarity in that whatsoever. And the first thing, and this is not because my teachers do not care. My teachers have put in so much overtime this weekend. But the first question was, does this mean we just drop in, get what we need and go? Mm. Um, you know, from, the, from that first, and I'm very transparent. So many of my teachers already received, they're on that listserv. They get that email. Um, you know, so it, it really started from that point yesterday on, holy smokes, how do we even view these next two weeks? Yeah, well. I think some, I think it was Joan Roman said that there's a call at three from the superintendent. So yes. let's, let's wait for that. But let's just, let's just do what we know as educators, why we got into this, right? So just in case, let's just continue to talk through about, you know, what, what could we do, right? What are some options? So I would love to start to share, uh, you know, folks, maybe one at a time, there's about 20 of you. Uh, just, you know, take a, take a minute or two and, you know, what are you doing? What are you uh, thinking through or what, you know, what questions might you have? That's more about what you can control in your environment. Because uh, we know we all are all responsible for student learning, no matter what. Um, you know, uh, you know, the governor may do one thing and then all of a sudden we still have EOGs in 10 weeks. So whatever it is. Uh, so let's go through there. So I see Robert. You want to, you know, start? I see you. Uh, you look, you look very interested, and and like you got something to share. So we'd love to hear from your perspective. So tell us what school you're from too. When uh, when you hop in, if you uh, share, thanks. Okay, thank you. Um, can you all hear me? Okay, give me a thumbs up or something. You're good, loud and clear. Okay, so uh, I'm from Brevard Academy. Ted Duncan asked me to get on the call. Great. I just think that uh, we all need to keep in mind that as we uh, move forward, that we're going to have a lot of kids who are not on IEPs who are by default, particularly if they're older middle school kids, they're going to become the default caregivers in their house for their younger siblings, mm -hmm. um, which means that their parents are going to put a responsibility onto them, which is going to make it very hard for them to focus on it, on learning if we do indeed uh, move to that, to that model. Yeah, it's a really valid point. I mean, it, we don't know what the home, that's why I said, keep it as simple as possible. And I just remember being a principal teachers like to take these opportunities to be super creative. And I was like, no, like just use the kiss, you know, model. What is it, you know, what could we do to keep it easy at first until we really have some clarity about what this looks like for the state over the next month. Awesome. 
Thanks, Robert, for that. That was huge. And Tom, I was just looking at that Department of Education guiding document about serving students with special needs, and um, their very first question is, is an LEA required to continue to provide FAPE to students with disabilities during a school closure caused by COVID-19? And their answer is that, you know, IDA, of course, does not address a situation in which elementary and secondary schools are closed for an extended period of time because of the exceptional circumstances such as this outbreak. However, if an LEA closes its school to slow or stop the spread of COVID-19 and does not provide any educational services to the general student population, then an LEA would not be required to provide services to students with disabilities. So that seems like, it seems like that's the direct the instruction we really need from the state because if you provide any instruction to a general ed student then you do have to provide services exactly right to, yeah, to yeah. so that's, yeah. that's the tension point here yeah interesting awesome so robert as a as a teacher leader in your school what's what's you know maybe one you know you know one idea you thought about how you could you know reach your students during this time uh, well, in my case, you know, I teach Spanish, so I uh, have already, I already do a lot of stuff online. I have a um, subscription to a site called singerwoolly.com where they all, they, they look at these videos and there are all these exercises that they can do, which uh, it's, uh, it, for any of you familiar with the way language is taught, it's, uh, it uses a method called teaching with comprehensible input. So, um, the, the videos are kind of strange and weird. Uh, middle schoolers really like them. Um, and it, it teaches them Spanish in a very subconscious way. Beyond that, you know, I'm developing things like what I, I call a voluntary free reading, where um, kids get to choose a, a book uh, that's in Spanish, then they, they read through it, and then they just provide me with some information uh, later on as to what they were reading. Um, you know, with us at Brevard Academy, what we're talking about uh, is developing an online presence uh, through Canvas, um, which is, you know, can be deployed as, as low as kindergarten. So, um, you know, the way I look at it is, you know, what we're talking about is taking what's on the ground right now and just putting it up there in a, a virtual way so that you know the same materials the same lessons things that teachers are doing in the classroom can be put there and you know the technology is there so even you know the youngest of our students uh you know pages can be modified so that they can interact with them in a way that is accessible to them awesome well thanks yeah thanks for sharing i love the fact you already have experience so then you could help the other folks at your school who maybe don't, right? Right. Okay, perfect. I love it. So Brevard is a K-8 uh, charter school out in uh, Brevard, um, uh, North Carolina, so out there towards the mountains. So you guys already have a lot of snow days sometimes in Battle with, so maybe this is something, you know, closing school is, you know, something um, you guys are used to. Awesome. Well, who else, who else we got who wants to share uh, some of their thoughts or maybe their uh, prep work that they've done? So, Tom, this is Joan Roman, uh, Bonnie Cohn Classical Academy. We're a brand new K-6 charter. In the discussion that Katie just um, shared about uh, school closure and, and special education, 
makes me think about what I've done in the past during holiday breaks, winter break or spring break, where we are sending home packets of information and sometimes with links to video tutorials. So I don't see that that's any different um, during a two-week school closure. What we're trying to prepare for is in the event of additional time off where we do have to move to an online learning um, platform. So one of the things that Katie and I spoke about just a little bit ago is what is the best mechanism for bringing uh, your team up to speed quickly? And I like the idea of those grade level meetings where you are limiting the exposure to others because you're only bringing in a grade level at a time over the next couple of days uh, to go through the learning resources that we have and how we can solidify those packets of learning to go home with some video tutorial uh, options for our students. Yeah. That's awesome. And, you know, I've really been thinking about, you know, the spring is the time that you really plant for next year anyway, right? So just, you know, think through this also, leaders. How can we be best prepared for not only the last 10 weeks of school? How can we use this opportunity to not just be, you know, prepared up till June 30th, but when we come back next August, right? I mean, this is an opportunity. You could have those deeper meetings with those grade levels as long as the you know, as we get, you know, past the fear and all the curiosity and all those pieces, how do we best use that time, even from a virtual platform, to work best with our teachers to be better prepared for next year, too? So just a thought, um, you know, as well. So thanks, Joan, for sharing that. Tom. Hey, yep. Tom. Hey, Tom. Yes, sir. Hey, this is Ted from Brevard. Hey, Bob. Thanks oh, for being on, on the call. Okay. I, I've been trying to get on, but I was, I was calling in. And not using the not using the Zoom uh, platform, and so I, I couldn't couldn't uh, uh, comment. And unmute yourself, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, so I'm on my way to a board meeting right now, and I'm appreciative of all the conversations that are happening. And I, I'd want to also just say thank you so much for the call yesterday. Uh, that was really that was really enlightening. And um, I got off that phone call and told my board. Hey, we got to we got to close. You know, I don't care what the local LEA does. We need to close just from liability standpoint and things like that. But um, then that decision was made for us a couple hours later. Right. So, uh, but here's here's what I am thinking. Here's where my thinking is right now. What I'm what I am planning on doing is having that work day on Monday. And I'm already setting up um, platforms and um, options for work at home, distance learning, um, alternate. Um, work assignments. For example, we have some mulch that needs to be spread around the campus. We have some painting that needs to be done. So if we have instructional assistants or hourly employees who are really, their job is to really primarily work with kids. If they feel comfortable coming in and doing those things, you know, they can social, they can be six feet away from others. They can be outside and they're not at risk and yet they can still feel productive. I think that that's one of the things that is really going to that, that's going to allow for us to be leaders in this is families want to feel productive. Kids want to feel productive during this time and teachers want to feel productive. Uh, and I'm really thinking of it in these terms where I'm going to take all the work days that we have, if the state allows, if the state just says, Hey, we're, we're closed and the schools are closed. And of course that plan is going to change. But what I'm going to present to the board today is I'm going to take all the available work days that we have, and I'm going to move them to this week so that teachers can spend some time prepping for this, um, prepping for what distance learning might look like, because I, I'm preparing to be closed longer than just two weeks. 
I, I think that all the all the information and science out there is pointing towards more of a four to five week closure than just a two week closure. Um, and so I, I wanted to use this week to do um, some teacher training, uh, like Bob was saying, around different uh, different platforms that we could use, but also be preparing students and families for that closure to offer them free resources online. But like Alex was saying yesterday, also talk about that equality gap that's going to happen. Um, and so also offering high engaging activities that parents can lead their children through during this time that we're closed that don't require internet, don't require um, a computer. Uh, but so trying to trying to figure out what those are. Um, and then next week, uh, excuse me, not next week, but March 23rd through the end of the week, we have, I'm, I'm planning on moving our spring break to that week to where we would actually just be closed. So, um, so that gives us two weeks. That gives us this two weeks time that we're shut down to prepare for what the new reality might look like in two weeks. Um, and then if we do open back up uh, to distance learning, if the governor and I'm, I'm hoping that we'll get some more guidance on that today. Uh, but if, if and when we do open up in a distance learning uh, platform, we'll be prepared for that. And throughout the, throughout the next two weeks, I completely agree with what you are saying. I, and I really like that idea of having teachers kind of rotate through a Zoom. I was going to have a Zoom. I was going to have a couple hours of Zoom for um, Zoom meetings for parents just to call in and, and see how they're doing. Um, because Quite frankly, some of the conversations that I've been having with my family and, and our neighbors on our street and things like that, I think that I think that one of the things that we need to keep in, in perspective is, like Bob was saying, this is going to be hard on parents and kids to move to an online platform. It's going to be hard for teachers. It's really going to be hard for um, parents and students. And right now, just with the way that things are going, um, in the world and in, in the country, it, there's a lot of stress just in terms of what does this mean for every normal, you know, for normal activity. And so we, I feel like we need to be addressing that first and then worry about the educational component later. And like Alex Quigley was saying yesterday, I really think that, I mean, I, I advocate for in-person learning. I think that that's the most powerful learning that you can have. And I think that that's the best and most effective way that our teachers can deliver um, learning and so I want to make sure that we are we are not saying that we can just do this to to as as effectively online as we can in person um, but still try and try and figure out ways to support families and keep scholarly habits going and keep learning happening so my plan is for the next two weeks a week of teacher work days with support to families and and zoom calls the next week would be spring break and I would probably continue to do zoom calls because no one's going anywhere anyways. And then, um, opening and then giving teachers that opportunity during that time to learn how to uh, collaborate and move to an online platform. So my two cents. This is, this is a perfect time, everybody to practice empathy. <laughs> All right. So, yes. you know, uh, be careful not to overwhelm and, and just, you know, uh, keep, you know, yesterday we really focused on security and making people feel comfortable. And, and this is where communities need leadership. And um, so thanks for all that, Ted. It's, you know, that's a lot. So I look, you know, make sure you're talking things to your team and that bouncing things off and being that prepared. 
to listen. Hey, Katie, let's do this. So we're going to unmute everybody on your side and then just mute yourself. So if you want to talk, so that way, you know, you know, Ted was trying to uh, get on and we can't communicate to you if you called in. So Katie's going to unmute everybody and then just mute your own phone if you're on a phone line. And then whoever either wants to piggyback off of Ted or share something. So Ted school has, you know, four or 500 kids. And we've got a couple of schools that have like a thousand students. I see, you know, Casey Harris. I don't know if he's able to, to uh, uh, chime in here, but you already's got, it's a massive school, 15 or maybe more hundred kids than that. So what's a school like that? If you're on the call, you know, planning to do, um, if, if, if the answer is yes, educational, um, opportunities should continue to occur. Tom, you're the host, so you're the only one who can unmute everybody. Well, all right. Well, then I'll do that. Well, look at all the power. Look at all the power that Katie. That there is. You have all the power. Yep. So go ahead and mute yourself on your side. Okay. I'll come back to it. You do your thing, and then I'll. Hey, Tom. Can you hear me? I, I can, Casey. Go ahead, bud. Uh, yeah. Um. So, for the last two weeks. What we did, uh, the first thing we did was we surveyed all of our teachers uh, and had a Google form, you know, that rated kind of their comfortability with online learning just because we felt like this was something that we might be going towards. Um, our technology facilitator put together, um, you know, kind of a site that had all of our, all the resources and a lot of things. And so she took that survey material. We, we created some PD opportunities over the last two weeks and then last thursday was our board meeting i went to our board and said hey you know this is my recommendation that we that we um, use friday um as a day to allow our teachers to compile resources communicate to our parents um i, I did an all call you know and an email to um all of our staff and parents uh, explaining what we were doing why we were doing it got a lot of positive feedback from that so I guess we've kind of been a little bit ahead of, of the curve um, when it came to the announcement yesterday. However, I, just like some of the other uh, leaders have expressed, you know, I'm very, um, very anxious about seeing what happens uh, with the call at three o'clock. Um, you know, we, we are going to allow our people to come in on Monday. Uh, Hold on, Casey. I'm coming back to you, buddy. Yeah, Casey, go. Sorry. Yeah, um, we've got a plan for our bus drivers and everything as far as tomorrow goes uh, with allowing them to come in and work so they don't have to miss uh, anything, you know. And really kind of what um, I think it was Ted just said, we have really tried to um, be, you know, over-communicate uh, about the security piece that, you know, we want parents, we want students, we want staff to feel comfortable um, because there is so much that's unknown and everything is changing so rapidly. So we actually had a call scheduled to go out yesterday uh, before the announcement, and I held off on that because I wanted to see what was going to come, you know, from today. And so obviously we're going to uh, – we've got a call going out today um, based on our plan. Uh, and one of the – one of the I think the best things that, that we did um, was we created a – you know, COVID-19 plan. Uh, our board voted on it on Thursday. We posted it to our website, you know, on our resource page. And it basically talks about, you know, the four phases and what we would do from phase one to phase two to three and four. And, you know, and the one thing we've really tried to communicate is that, that it's 
this is a dynamic plan. It's ever changing. It's it's ongoing as new information is made available. You know, the plan will will change and, and convey that. Um, the last thing I'll say, and I'll get off. Um, our local health department, staying in constant communication with them, I think has been our best um, our best means of com- being able to communicate to our staff, students, and parents. Because you know, I, I've ta- I talk to our local health department every single day, and um, it's just been really good. They've been so supportive uh, from the first informational letter that we sent out to our most recent one. Um, it's all tied back to them. We've got a link on our website with them, uh, CDC, like, like I'm sure the rest of you do. But I think just really, really, you know, creating a solid partnership with our local health department has been huge for us. So um, that, that's kind of what we've been doing in our plan going forward. So. Yeah, that's great, Casey. I mean, really being able to unite local partnerships, that's a, that was a big part of yesterday's talk. And, and, and you want your parents to come to you to find the best information, right? And, and so who, you know, who are the trusted? Remember, this, remember, leadership is influence. And you've already built, built influence by families choosing you. So it's your responsibility, right, as the higher level of awareness person to be able to continue to be um, the central location, at least, you know, for this, so this one-stop shop. And, and I know one of the links that I put down in here was, you know, you know, an example of, um, it was a Denver school system about how they, they just created a page on their website that had all the resources that would help uh, parents and you're trying to get them to go there and some FAQ questions. So if you don't have um, that, I'll look for it where it's in. Uh, this uh, link and, and Casey made me think of this Winston Churchill quote when he said, "At times of war, plans are of little importance, but planning is essential, right? <laughs> so your plan's going to change, but if you haven't planned anything, uh, you're you know you know you're going to be in a lot worse shape. At least if you've you know talked this through and had that next step. Your plan's not going to be perfect." With the state acting as as they are, plans seem like they're you know they're going to change often. So, Katie, did you have something to share there? Uh, the document you were looking for is on the top of page six. Page six. The link is on the top of page six. All right, perfect. Um, let's see here. Yeah, this one, the create a community resource page. Yeah, perfect. Yep. So if you can see, it's on the top of page six, and I'm going to try this one more time. I'm going to unmute everybody. Uh, we had somebody, uh, you know, sounded like they were at a restaurant or something, maybe listening. So I'm going to unmute everybody so you have that chance. But if there's someone who can unmute themselves, uh, go for it right now. If someone wants to share. All right. Thanks, man. All right. Anybody else want to share about uh, their plan or thoughts? No. I don't know who that is. <laughs> Someone's doing dishes. Hey, Tom, I just wanted to say I, I, I sent Casey a private chat, but I wanted to ask here, if, is the document he put together something that could be shared with people on this call? Yeah, uh, Casey, would you be able to um, email me that and I could forward it out? Is that okay? Absolutely, yeah. I, I just sent Robert, told him to send me his email. Uh, yeah, I'll, it's in a Google Doc. Is that cool with everybody? Or you can. Yeah, I, I'm the least technology savvy person, so you guys will have to. I'll share it with Tom, and y'all can 
do what yeah. you will with it. How's that? What I'll, yeah, what I'll do is I'll drop it in our, you know, Google Doc SL link, and I'll just label it, you know, URE Charter Academy's, um, you know, uh, resource page. Sounds good. Thanks. And if you're on this call and you're, uh, we had some exceptional children's uh, questions, and we did find, you know, yesterday a, um, a, a Q and a, or a, a top like Q and A for exceptional children, right? So that's right here on page three. Uh, you can get to it, uh, and then we also have another section down at the bottom. Um, I think this will be a great. Uh, hopefully, this will be answered today by the by the superintendent. Um, and then you know, I found a couple parent uh, resources uh, on a Facebook group page. Um, there's some comics for kids and some short cartoons for kids that you could. Uh, you know, you know, just, you know, Ted was talking about, you know, preparing his own family, right, and having conversations, and Alex talked about that yesterday. It's like, I, you know, I got to worry about my own family. So be thinking about the 30 to 100 staff that you're leading, right? They all have families, and everybody's worried about stuff. I shared earlier that Wake County has um, gone from, like, one or two uh, people that were um, found positive to 14 as of, like, three hours ago. So, this is going to continue to grow. Everybody we know, you know, it's the, it's the six degrees of the coronavirus right now. And, you know, everybody's going to be there. So um, to do as little bit of bringing people together as possible um, should be part of your, of your conversations. So who else would love to share? Anybody else? We've got a couple minutes left. Anybody want to share, you know, something they were thinking through or maybe a question that they want us to pose out there to, Additional experts. I'm trying to keep up with my phone here as things are coming in. So, Tom, I have a question. Um, what are other um, directors saying and talking, uh, you know, to their staff members about um, the use of Facebook? Um, I'll tell you uh, just a quick case study right now <laughs> that I was currently trying to navigate. Is I have um, one teacher that posted her plans for um, for her teaching over the next two weeks on Facebook and only left it in, pub in its public. And this is a teacher who is, I mean, she's incredible. Um, you know, these were dreamy plans. Um, but the issue that I have is her statement is, um, am I forgetting anything? That was what was said. And the... Um, the comments were from um, parents, from board members, from other teachers chiming in. What began to it? What happened is it mm. began to look like our school, in my opinion. Yeah, this is we're not ready, and we mm. are ready. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it was, you know, it was becoming a firestorm. Um, I had to. I had a quick call with her, and said, "This is difficult." Um, you know, she feels very much squelched right now, and I tried my best not to do that, but um, the problem is is she was creating a great deal of anxiety between other teachers who are not at the level of using some of the platforms that she is, and she's scaring some of our parents, and then she's boosting the ego of some of our board members that were so excited about what she's doing, you can imagine. Yeah. No, I think that's a really good, I'm going to open up, you know, to the floor. I, there was a couple of chats about, you know, some of our staff, just not, just not to communicate out. Right. So, you know, creating, 
this actually brings me to a really good point. Everybody should always have a media statement, and this is part of it, right? About what what we do under these you know situations. Who who becomes the main contact of a, a communication? What goes out um, is mm. so important because just like you know they didn't do that on purpose, right? But no, no not at all. But yeah. um, it's a great uh, learning moment. So I will open up. Uh, go ahead, uh, whoever that just was. Uh, Tom. So this is Bob again. Uh, you know, before I became a teacher, I spent 12 years in public relations. So mm. I'm, I'm going to put my uh, consultant hat back on for a sec. And I just want to say to all of you, one thing that you really need to uh, insist on with your uh, teachers and with your administrative staff um, without squelching a teacher uh, is message discipline. Um, and things really need to come from, you know, one source within your school if you're going to be talking to parents and you know I'm sure the teacher probably is aware of this now but Facebook is probably not the best forum for that because uh, you know it just results in a free-for-all but um, you know without stepping on anybody's toes I just think it would be really important for all of you to uh, let your staffs know about how important it is for the school to speak with one voice yeah yeah create that statement right whatever it is so at you know Brevard Academy, safety and security of all members is always first. This is our mission. This is what we do. Here's what we're doing, and I can even see it here because Sandy Brighton from Socrates was on yesterday, and Katie dropped a bunch of stuff off their website how they were doing things here. So that's on the bottom of page nine. It looks like um, as just examples of how the, how to communicate in that, you know, blanket piece. So I really love that idea that, you know, Bob said about one voice being very clear. This is our, you know, uh, statement out there because we don't need to add to the, to the, um, to just the curiosity and the questions and the panic that, you know, definitely some folks are going through. Who else out there can talk about communications and social media and Keisha, I'm going to unmute you again. Um, just in case you want to share, I, I heard your phone going off, so that's why I got you. Tom, I was just going to add uh, a message from Lisa Gordon-Stella, again, you know, our, our trustee attorney who we work with so much. Uh, she said that, just so folks know, I'm not aware of anything that restricts employees from working from home or working remotely. It's an evolving situation, and she expects to send out some broad guidance this week. She has a few webinars that she's attending, but just, you know, from the employer stand, standpoint to be aware that she doesn't know of any limitations allowing your teachers to work from home, allowing, you know, other staff members to work from home. Yeah, that's great. If you go, everybody, um, uh, the bottom of page three, there's a section about employees. And every time Lisa sends out an email, I'm just cutting and pasting and dropping it right in there. And there's also access in the folder, right? So I know this is hard for some of you, but at, at the very top, um, there's a folder link. Katie, help me if I miss it. It's called like LBL resource folder. Yeah, there, it's, it's at the top of page two. And inside there are all sorts of um, the FMLA Act and all these things here that will help you from a legal perspective. It's, you know, templates for your employees and guidelines and expectations and uh, just everything that we have been gathering um, is, is inside here. So uh, anything that 
someone sends us, we're just basically dropping that physical resource in, in, in here. Um, there's a student travel disclosure form. There's a technology information form. Um, emergency family and medical leave stuff here. So uh, we're, we're trying to resource you as much as possible to keep, um, so you can focus on the right things, right? So if you don't have my cell number, um, I'm gonna give it to you now. It's, uh, and, and we can put it in the chat box too, Katie, 910-431-7441. Uh, 910-431-7441. And then also, when I send out the recording, we have started a Slack community, and Slack is just a way for networks of uh, people to you know, collaborate through their phone without actually sharing their cell phones. Um, so there's a link here to join our Slack community, and um, we can put that in the chat box. And we also have a private school leader community Facebook group. So if you're on Facebook, Facebook and if you want to hop in there, um, you can do that too. And so it'll be a place, the Slack is instant. So, you know, you can ask instant questions that anybody can answer. And obviously I'm in the Facebook group too. And if you're not on Facebook, I get it. It's perfectly fine. Uh, so we're trying to find as many different ways that we can keep um, informing and connecting and, every, and, uh, and uh, uniting everybody together across the state. Any other thoughts or questions on the instructional plan? Um, I really started to think through, uh, um, you know, when I was when I was working through what what an educational plan might might you know look like, and when work comes back. So, you know, even on the back end, um, students could do reading logs, right? Or teachers can create a Google form for them to drop in a response, or create a Google Doc where every you know student has the access to type into it, or maybe they're, you know, writing out the response and taking pictures and texting it, you know, uh, you know, it's your teacher. So as you get to that point to really think about, well, how do we check students' work? Be really clear about that first question, right? That first question that I, that I posed was, what is it that we actually want students to be able to do during this time, right? What is it that we want them to learn? And let's make sure that we're not overwhelming our families and overwhelming our students uh, with new concepts, new work, new skills. And uh, if you took a benchmark recently, you should have a really good understanding of where everybody is. And this is a really great test for your school uh, to be able to, um, in times of disruption, you know, be the disruptor, be, uh, be innovative. And it's a great time to look and reflect at your school's practices about how we can get better um, you know, someone that I learn a lot from every day, and I, I think she's on the call, Yvette Monroe, who's, who's the founder of uh, the IDYL Charter School in Durham that serves 360 plus free and reduced lunch, you know, students. And, and uh, you know, I'm there almost every day, and it's such a great atmosphere. And she looked at me when we left campus on Friday or whatever day it was, and she said, this is such a great opportunity for all of us. Right, it's a great opportunity, and and we can be so much better now. Right, we can really take this time to rethink and regroup and rebuild and and think not only you know short term but long term how how we're going to be better in the long run. So I appreciated her saying that right because that's a you know she that you know that school they really do a great job of serving um, you know students that have already been through a tough situation. Uh, most of those students were just you know, displaced from their homes 
because of a gas leak uh, for almost two months at a time living in hotels, right? So we're, they're really going through stuff that I could never imagine. And so, I, so I appreciate time with her and, and her staff, uh, you know, and really learning through how we can best meet the, you know, meet the, the needs as best as everybody, um, as best as we can, right? Take care of ourselves and to take care of others. Anybody else want to piggyback on our last couple of minutes here? No? All right. Okay, well, look, we'll um, stay in touch. Use the Slack if you want. Hop into the Facebook group or email us. Um, we'll send out this recording. And uh, I guess we'll all wait to see what the phone call is at 3 o'clock. And, uh, and uh, make sure you're taking care of yourself and your family uh, uh, during this time. Very, very important uh, to be present uh, for them. And so love you all. Uh, we'll continue to, uh, to uh, bring information to you. And we'll, I'm sure we'll do this a couple of times over the next, you know, seven to 10 days just to make sure everybody can stay in touch. So thanks everyone for what you do. And uh, now go home and hug your kids and, uh, and uh, take care of yourself for a while. Bye-bye. Thanks, Tom. Thank you, everybody.